a lot of times some emotions are linked to that trauma and so when you know maybe shame for example or fear come up our body recognizes that as the trauma that we've experienced in previous times in our life and so what can happen if we just kind of go oh, feel some shame okay i'm acknowledging myself i'm noticing it great but it can get stuck in our bodies and so a part of that embodiment piece that we were talking about earlier, I think it's so, so, so important to release, release that emotion. And so the best way to do that is through like movement. But I think you can also do that through like meditation, breath work, any, any form of like exercise or movement. And welcome to Empowered Spirituality. I'm so excited for this episode with my friend, Vanessa Hudgens. Vanessa is so lovely. We met during um, our time in the SWA with Marley Liss. Uh, Marley was on in season one. <clears throat> and I also played a couple ads for the SWA this last season. So you might recognize that. But that's how we met. And um, she just has such a warm and loving and inviting energy. Um, so it was really lovely to be able to share this kind of space together. Um, she's also been on my Instagram and has done a live with me more about food freedom um, and like that kind of journey. This was more about spirituality and mental health slash emotions. Um, so if you want like a different conversation, I mean, listen to this too, but if you want more or like want a different lens as well, you can check out the live that's on my Instagram with her. She's so, so lovely. Vanessa lives in London, Canada, where she works in mental health and addictions. She's also a life coach who specializes in spirituality and compassion and teaches and choreographs competitive dance. And she's an artistic director in film and her uh, recent series is so beautiful. She's also, um, she supports as a community coach in the Food Freedom Club, and that supports people to let go of diet culture and connect with healing their relationship with their food and body. She's so passionate about supporting humans in their healing trauma, their process of healing trauma, processing emotions, and finding their inner wisdom. She is currently accepting clients, and she has a bonus of 50% off 4 to 12-week sessions, and she also does free 30-minute discovery calls to see if you align before you start working together. Her Instagram handle is at Ness, N-E-S-S, Hugs, H-U-G-G-S, or you can send her an email at the, Ness, at the email below. That's easier <laughs> to just direct you to the show notes. Um, in this episode, we talked a lot about spirituality and kind of our spiritual journeys. We have very similar experiences with the mental health world. We both worked in really similar like mental health, addiction, homelessness kind of places. Um, that's where I got my start in mental health. And I think that's where she got her start as well. Um, we talked about like the spiritual awakening journey. We talked about um, things that have supported us in our healing journeys, and we talked about processing emotions. I hope you enjoy this episode with Vanessa. Hello, Vanessa. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. So good to finally connect with you again. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really great. Um, it's a Friday when we're recording. And when this comes out, it will have been fall for a while, but I'm just feeling super excited for fall. 
Mm, me too. Like the fall weather, fall fashion, fall drinks. It's just all a vibe. <laughs> you look very fall and very cozy right now. Oh yes. I have my like zoom sweater on the sweater yeah. that I wear. when I'm on Zoom. It's very cozy. <laughs> I have a zoom sweater too. It's actually not on my chair right now. Cause I'm washing it for once, <laughs> but I have one of those too. <laughs> yeah. We got to remember to do that. Cause I definitely always forget. <laughs> I know I always wake up and I'm like, like I'm just going to grab something and put it on. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so excited that you're here. And um, I was wondering if you can give us a little introduction to you, who you are, what you've been up to. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Vanessa and um, I'm in London, Canada. And um I have kind of been all over the map in uh, just life and my experiences, but um, I've, I've worked as a mental health and addictions worker for most of my life. And I'm also working as a life coach, specifically in like compassion and spirituality. And then I also am very passionate about dance. So I, um, and I'm a choreographer and teacher um in the area and I also just kind of dove a little into film with dance as well um and if I was to describe myself in a couple words like definitely spiritual definitely like somebody who's a super feeler like I wear my heart on my sleeve and just um very intuitive and so I I usually align with like people and experiences based off that Ooh, I love that um, I wanted to ask you about the dance videos because you recently, semi-recently put out these really beautiful dance videos that looked like, like professionally filmed. Did you film those too? Oh, no, I didn't film them myself, but um, I directed and choreographed um, the first piece. So I worked on, I'm working on a series called Short Series. And so it's going to be a number of short films that um, are dance and they're about different depictions like in my life that portray like parts of my life. And so the dancers are, you know, true artists to really just like portray this story so beautifully. So the one I just released was called Cold Hands and it was about um, the cycle of toxic relationships, which is so huge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that gave me chills when you said that. The videos or the video that's out right now is beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You're so welcome. much passion for that work. Yeah, I love that you're doing all these things all at once. I think the episode that came out right before this, we talked about this too. Like there's such a pressure to like niche down, I feel like, especially mm -hmm. when you're trying to market yourself. But I think there's so much power in saying like, I can take up as much space and I can explore all my interests and I can be a multifaceted person. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I'm kind of at a moment where I'm really trying to navigate that because the last like almost year I've really kind of slowed down and I've had a lot of space and I didn't have a lot on my plate. Like I haven't been working in the mental health field for about a year. So um, mm -hmm. I, I have that space to slow down. And I think you're right. I think there's room for, for both and to kind of like, you know, figure out where the balance is and like where you want to be and I think it's just really trying to tune in to see like what that looks like for you and how you feel about it in that moment and where you're at hmm, I like that yeah I'm curious to talk about the mental health field stuff so 
what was your, ex- well, I mean, that's a really big question, but like, what did working in the mental health field look like for you? Mm, yeah. What were you doing? Yeah. So I started working in the field like 2013 ish, and I started off by volunteering. And throughout the field, I've worked with like uh, vulnerable women who have like multiple struggles, um, women who are sex workers and who have uh, mental health and behavioral um, struggles and also addictions as well. I've worked in um, eating disorders and with youth in group homes and um, shelters with like refugee families um, and also like a long stay resident. So individuals that are, uh, you know, older and kind of dealing with some physical difficulties. Um, it's been, it's been a roller coaster ride working in the field. I definitely think that your perception of what it's going to be like when you're in school versus what it is like is just, it's a lot different. Um, I would never, I would never change it. Um, it's been so, so huge as a part of my own healing journey. Um, but it definitely is, there's a huge facet of giving and like external kind of focus that if you're not like constantly, and you know, I should say, I should say this personally, it's like, I'm, I'm not personally, you know, filling up my own cup and giving back to myself. Like the burnout is, is so, so prevalent. Yeah, that was my experience too. And I think that's interesting. We're talking about that because about two weeks ago, an episode aired about um, like burnout in the teaching and nursing, like other kinds of really like giving and caregiving professions. Um, Yeah. And I think I wasn't prepared for the level of like, I don't know, not, not drainingness, but like, I didn't expect how maybe challenging it would be or how much energy it would take every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think some parts of the mental health field, like are out of our own control. I think there's some where it is. And I mean, always so, so much out of our control because like, you know, even when things feel like they're out of our control, we can still protest and write letters and, um, you know, make calls to, to, or start our own kind of programs and healing spaces to kind of uplift this. And so just to kind of go off what I'm saying is I think there's a couple different avenues, like there's burnout because, you know, we have to really fill up our own cup and really focus on that self-care. And if we don't, right, it can get exhausting, but then there's also such a lack of like resources and funding in the mental health field and these different avenues. So, you know, you get so burnt out because you're trying to help these individuals help themselves and learn to empower themselves, but there isn't services and there isn't funding available to do so. So you're, you're really stuck with not a lot to work with. And even I find in the training, I don't know if you found this for yourself, but I even find with the training, they teach you a lot of like the administrative work, but then kind of throw you into the crisis work where you're just like, okay, I'm just going to roll with this right now and pretend like I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Like you could have spent less time teaching me how to write session notes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. More time how to deal with the actual crises that happen every single day. Exactly. And that's the part where it's like where you really want to, to learn because, you know, there's a safety aspect to it. And 
and yeah, so I just think that there needs to be more training, um, more training, more funding, <laughs> and then awareness around our own well-being while working in the field. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so yeah, it sounds like that really highlighted the importance of self-care for you, especially mm. in the sense of having a high giving and high demand job. Um, but what else did it, like working in the mental health field, help you learn about your own mental health? Well, I think, you know, in the beginning, I, I really wasn't taking care of my mental health, like for the first few years when I started working in it. And I just was overworking myself and burning out and um, really experiencing a high level of compassion fatigue as well. Um, and so I think it was actually around COVID or just before COVID um, where I was kind of forced to slow down because of, you know, the lockdowns and stuff. Um, and it kind of gave me that space. You know, I was working four jobs before COVID. And so when I had the space and all my jobs stopped, I was like, whoa, you know? And so I think, first of all, becoming aware that like something was going on and I was ready to pay attention to it. And then seeking, looking outside of myself to seek for help, to, to know how to navigate, how to help myself further. So that was like accessing a lot of group programs and, and psychotherapy. And, and then that kind of led to my own spiritual healing journey. Ooh, that's interesting. So you feel like the, like, self-care and mental healing kind of came before your spiritual like awakening or spiritual journey. Yeah, because it was actually a program um, called the balance practice with um, um, a diet an anti-diet dietitian who helped me learn about hunger cues. And so paying attention to hunger cues are, you know, learning how to tune in with myself with those physiological um, cues actually helped me tune in to my emotional um, feelings and my needs and, and all like pretty much just a holistic approach myself. And I was like, whoa, there's a lot going on. And so once I learned how to do that, that was almost like the, it was just like, kind of like that start peak to it, you know, that, that really kind of just like led the rest of, of the journey from there. I love that so much. And that really mirrors my own experiences too, where I did talk and I still do talk therapy. There's nothing wrong with it, but I did talk therapy for a long time and like mm -hmm. kind of was hitting a lot of plateaus. Um, and my kind of like, not my lowest moment, but one of my like lowest mental health times was during the pandemic. So I think my anxiety like kept me going and like helped mm -hmm. keep me busy. Um, yeah. But then I really like adjusted into this new period of like being really low um, and no amount of like talk therapy was really enough to propel me out of that. And then when I started learning more about health through my um, coaching program, which I actually didn't want to be a health coach. <laughs> I was like, this <laughs> program just seems good. Like yeah. I'll just do it if I don't want to be a health coach. Um, but like through that experience, I was able to tap into the body and learn more about the body. And I think that's what Kind of helped catapult the next wave of my mental health journey. Oh, that is so beautiful. I like 
embodiment is like, that's the way in, you know? And in the beginning, like, I couldn't agree more with that because in the beginning of healing journeys, I feel like there's almost a resistance to that a bit. Like, Ooh, I don't want to do this. This feels icky. This feels uncomfortable. Um, Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think it's kind of just doing it and getting, getting comfortable with it to a point where it feels natural and habitual for you. Um, But I, I couldn't agree more that that is, it's almost like your brain is like, okay, that makes sense. And your body's like, I don't believe you. Like, I don't believe what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I have been really unpacking this a lot, but I feel like there's a lot of skepticism that I'm noticing in myself. Um, And I think that I slash know that (laughs) comes from like, just all the different aspects of society that have like ingrained themselves in me and skepticism kind of comes through in that way. but I find clients can also be kind of skeptical about when I ask them to tune into the body. I can tell they're like, okay. Um, But yeah, so that's so interesting that it started with you or like deepened with you when you started noticing your hunger cues. What was that like for you? Honestly, transformational because from there, it's like, so from there, noticing that I actually experienced a spiritual awakening from then. And so from there, it was kind of just like this tumble of like, you know, I definitely in the beginning got kind of addicted to the healing journey. I'm like, I want to heal. I want to heal. I want to heal. and just didn't want to stop. And, and it took a, a moment to slow down and notice, well, you know, a part of healing is really slowing down and resting and doing nothing and, and taking breaks from healing as well. Um, so within my healing journey, it was a journey, but I think that that it opened so many doors and avenues, so many things that I learned about myself that I'm still learning about myself, um, that I'm still continuing on in the spiritual journey now. So I think transformational is like the best way to describe it. Oh, I love what you said, being addicted to the healing journey, because I have Mm. definitely felt that, um, but I've never put it into those words. What does that mean to you? Mm. It's almost like if you were to compare it to being somebody who is a workaholic, somebody who's like always taking overtime and working long hours and not self, having self-care, finding joy, having a social life, you know, et cetera. I, I think you can do the same thing in the healing journey. So that's, you know, like signing up for all the group programs and like filling your week with that. And, you know, also doing therapy, which I want to make clear to those who are listening are all beautiful and healing things that you can do for yourself. Um, And also we need space for other things in our life because the healing journey can be so heavy and um, there's so much processing going on in your brain and your body that like you need the space matched with what you're learning and discovering or else there's a burnout within that, if um, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. Um, I think about it like, buffering I think my therapist had a she's like a very spiritual holistic therapist so she's very cool but she talked about it like our brains can be here with all the stuff that we're learning but then like the rest of us is still buffering so we kind of have to take those breaks so that things can like kind of catch up to us in our healing journey and I like that a lot yes that's exactly you hit it on the nail girl (laughs) like that is exact (laughs) that is exactly um how I feel Yeah. Yeah. And I can notice when I'm in periods where I'll try and do more healing, 
for healing, mm-hmm. whatever that means. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there's just such like a big block and a big resistance. Um, and I used to feel kind of shame about that and feel like I had to push through. But now I'm kind of like trying to accept that the best I can. Yeah, yeah, that's that's huge. I like what you said about um, how you notice that like blocks are present um, because I felt that way too. Like I've been in maybe four group coaching programs over the last two years and each time one was ending, there was like this immense amount of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do it alone. And so there was almost this like, well, I need to find a new program to start when this one ends. And so shout out to SWA where we met, um, because I feel like it really, that program really helped me learn to, to have that buffer space between like, that's okay. You know, it's okay to rest. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to show up how you want. Um, and you almost need that, um, in this journey. Yeah. I feel, oh, the SWA I think is over, which is so sad. Right. Oh my gosh. The last I was going to is... do a plug for it, which I still, it still is amazing, but I realize it's yeah. not gonna, it's over now. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy to even think that because it's just been such a huge um, part of my yeah. own healing journey, but um, yeah, so much beautiful work. And I know it's helped so many individuals with their own journeys as well. Yeah. Marley's so great. And she was on in season one. Yay. Yeah. I love that. She's so lovely. I know. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you, what does spiritual awakening mean to you? Because i that's one of those terms I hear a lot, but I never quite know people's definitions. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think even if we were to start with the term spiritual, I think spiritual, it means what it means to you personally. There's no like textbook definition, in my opinion. I mean, you can Google it and it'll tell you what it, it'll tell you, but I think it's so unique and personal to you. So I think spiritual awakenings can look different. Um, what it meant to me was I had a spiritual connection with my grandma who has passed um, and a vision of her where she was speaking to me. And so it was very profound and very powerful, very emotional. Um, and that kind of, I was like, whoa, like something really interesting is happening with me right now. And I'm like tapping into a portal of myself I didn't know existed. And then, um, yeah, from there, things made sense. Like I knew I needed to do these things in the healing journey. Um, and so that happened after the hunger cue part that I was mentioning earlier, Um, And I was learning to tune in. And then from there, that's when all of the other things kind of trickled in, in the journey. I love that. That gave me shivers when you said that. I know it gives me, I'm having shivers right now too. It's, oh. (laughs) Um, This is going to be definitely a tangent, but can I tell you about a meditation I did that felt like a dream? Yeah, absolutely. I want your... Um, insight if you are okay giving it so I um I noticed myself like laying down because I was laying down um but then I felt like I was in a field and I kept seeing people come up to me and one of them was my grandmother which is why that was uh triggered in my head but Mm -hmm. one of the people and a couple other were like guides or goddesses but then the one thing that was really surprising to me was a man was on my right side and he has a hood on and he's come up a couple other times in meditations. And I'm wondering if you know who he is. <laughs> I feel like you probably don't, but. 
I've been asking people as if they oh would know. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. No, girl. I have no idea who that man is in meditation. <laughs> when you figure it out, though, you can let me know. Oh, that's so funny. But you know what? I have heard other people sharing that about a man. Like, like I've, um, I've heard that. I've heard my my one uh, spiritual coach mentioned that like she saw this like tall kind of thin slender kind of man in hers and like my perception of that um you know in my perspective I don't know your experience but I think you know it could mean that it could be like a part of you or an art it could be like an archetype or um yeah like a part maybe it's a shadow like I just did a, a meditation recently um where I was underwater and I had this like hooded person come to me um, and it was kind of similar. I thought it was like a man couldn't really see who it was. And then when I ended up like, like unraveling their face, it was just me. And I was like, oh, well, (laughs) okay. Yeah. Well, he hasn't taken off the hood yet. So it could be me. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is like a preview to like a really exciting movie. I can't I wait know. to see this the mysterious movie. Hooded man that comes up in everyone's meditations. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's okay. so fascinating to me. I know. Um, he has like Aragorn. Aragorn? The guy from Lord of the Rings that's like in the pub and he's like kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, I haven't watched that movie for so long. I have no idea what is. <laughs> But I know who you're talking about, though. I can picture it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, thanks for that. <laughs> it's yeah. interesting, though, that because I've been wondering, like, is this like a common archetype to see in meditations? But I'll keep mm-hmm. you clued in <laughs> to what happens. Yes. Perfect. I would love to know. Yay. Um, yeah. So hmm, I want to transition into processing emotions. Mm-hmm. Um was that something that you had to like relearn how to do as you went through the spiritual awakening? Mm. Yeah. So I think that like growing up, you know, I was doing some, some positive things that, you know, potentially could have helped me process emotions or care for myself. Like dance was a huge outlet. Um, for my emotions that I didn't even know about when I was growing up, that I didn't know that it was happening. Um, so I don't think I properly processed my emotions until my spiritual journey, if that makes sense. Because <clears throat> I think that there's like a couple of different steps that it takes to process an emotion. You know, steps kind of sound daunting, but like really when you go through it and you do it over and over again, it doesn't, you know, you get used to it. Um, But I do think there needs to be a level of awareness in processing emotions. So if you're not aware that, you know, you're doing it, um, I don't know, like maybe there's like an element of that, but I think there's something more powerful and um, more healing and and releasing when you're aware of it, if that makes sense. I don't know why I keep saying this. I I know it makes sense. No, that's not, (laughs) especially in therapy and like, I feel sad, but does that make sense? <laughs> like, so I'd probably preface everything with, if that makes I sense. I know. Why are we like this? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it does make sense. Um, I feel like the biggest growth leaps 
or integration times I've had have been when I can just be aware of what's going on. Like I don't even have to change it. Nothing has to happen. It can still suck. But when I'm aware of what's happening, it feels so much more manageable. I am a somatic inner child healing facilitator and a somatic practitioner. I want to tell you about my inner child healing sessions for women who are looking to heal inner wounds and build a deeper connection with their body and their emotions. Women who long to feel safe in their body and want to learn how to build a supportive and trusting relationship with all parts of themselves so that they can show up in the world with genuine rooted confidence as their authentic self. In these sessions, I gently guide you to connect with younger inner parts of yourself and teach you how to navigate your body's memories that are connected to those parts of your psyche. We explore the challenges and intentions that you bring, and I help you understand what your inner children are trying to communicate to you through feelings, sensations, and patterns. Connecting deeper with yourself in this way will bring you clarity and insights and gently support you in healing old inner wounds so you can live your life feeling safe and free from the past. On my website, lisalunsman.com, you can find free resources about somatic inner child healing and how I can support you in your healing journey. You can also book a free connection call with me to hear more about how the healing works. You get $200 off of any of my session packages if you use the code SELFSUPPORT when you book the sessions. I am sending lots of love to you in your healing journey. Yes. Yes. And like, so if it's okay with you, I would love to like dive into my three steps and like, yes, you can please. Give me, yeah. And like, you can give me like, you know, your input and your experiences on, I would love to hear it, but that's actually being aware is like, I think the first step in processing an emotion. Um, and that can just be noticing. And this was something huge that I learned in psychotherapy and some of my group programs that I learned, but you're so right. Like there's something so, um, important and valuable about just noticing and not trying to judge it, not trying to change it, not trying to overthink about it, but just being like, huh, almost like you noticed that you felt shame and then you pictured shame bubbled in a cloud. And then you just watched it floating away, like almost that kind of subtle noticing. Um, yeah. Um, and so I think that that's definitely like huge. And I think that I actually think that that's the hardest step. I do think it's the hardest step because I think when we aren't used to noticing our emotions or what our body is telling us or anything else, then, you know, how can we notice what emotion we feel or, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to even start there. Um, and so, yeah, people, people listening might be like, well, how do I start to notice? And I think it starts with, you know, gentle check-ins throughout your day, whether you start an alarm, you put up a sticky note um, and you, you just kind of ask yourself like what you're thinking, um, what, like how, how you feel if you were to put an emotion to it and that, that can be take time within itself or what you feel in your body sensations and, and things like that. 
Um, and I think the second aspect is definitely acknowledgement. I think acknowledgement is a huge part of it as well, which is also a little bit of a milestone because sometimes after noticing, I think what can happen is we will want to avoid and dismiss. Okay, I feel shame. Mm -mm. I ain't trying to feel that today. I'm, I'm done with that, <laughs> you know? And so what will happen is that we will dismiss it and then we can't move on to acknowledgement because we've already dismissed the emotion. So the second one is hard too. I mean, processing emotions are hard altogether, but I think acknowledging it. So I think that that can be an element of self-soothing um, and that can be really subtle. Like just being, even if it's just having a conversation with yourself, like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling really, really overwhelmed right now. And okay, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to make note of it, but this is how I feel. I'm at work right now. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Maybe I'm going to give myself a hug and take a second and take a breath because I notice I'm feeling overwhelmed, but I'm going to acknowledge that in myself, that that's how I'm feeling and not ignore it. Oh, that's so powerful. And that reminds me of the being addicted to healing stuff. Cause I think mm -hmm. for a long time, and I'll still slip into it quite often. I'll be like, Oh, I'm anxious. Okay. So what can I do? Like, how can I stop being anxious? Like what, like, mm -hmm. what is the thing that could fix me right now? And it feels like like a sense of urgency to not be that way or not feel that way anymore. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we want to fix, right? We want to, especially with anxiety, like there's such a sense of like wanting to control. And that's another mm -hmm. huge thing that I learned in my journey is just like kind of learning to feel comfortable with feeling uncomfortable and letting the discomfort of uncomfortable emotions or like quote unquote stereotypical negative emotions be present. Yeah. And that, that is a hurdle within itself. I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm not going to say, Oh, it's a, it's a breeze in a park. It's not, but, yeah. um, the more you do it, just like anything, it will get easier. Um, so I definitely think that's true. And the third, um, step of the processing emotions are releasing. So I think what can happen is, okay, I feel shame, especially with some of us who, oh, I shouldn't say some of us, all of us who have experienced trauma. Um, a lot of times some emotions are linked to that trauma. And so when, you know, maybe shame, for example, or fear come up, our body recognizes that as the trauma that we have experienced in previous times in our life. And so what can happen if we just kind of go, oh, feel some shame. Okay. I'm acknowledging myself. I'm noticing it great, but it can get stuck in our bodies. And so a part of that embodiment piece that we were talking about earlier, I think it's so, so, so important to release, release that emotion. And so the best way to do that is through like movement, but I think you can also do that through like meditation, breath work, any, any form of like exercise or movement. I'm sure there's other ways. Cause like, I know you, you uh, have been on this journey as well, but I just think that that releasing piece is kind of just like that final, almost like flush through because like, it is important to fully feel an emotion, even anger too. Like we have such a negative perception of, of anger in our society. And I think it's so important to feel it and to be in it but we don't want to be in it forever. Right. We want to push through the emotion. Sorry, not push through, um, experience the emotion 
and then um, uh, leave space for other emotions to be present after. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's always where, I mean, I, I said that the last step too, but that's where I would get stuck a lot too, is the actual like, like I've acknowledged, I've been aware of it. I've acknowledged it. And then I just talk, 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 which is great. And I think that was so beneficial for a long time, mm-hmm. but like it didn't do its job after a while. Like I was just kind of ruminating in it, but not feeling it. And I, I like that the release part also allows it to like kind of go through your body in more of an emotional way too. Yes. Yes. It's so important. And I think um, you know, mentioning the SWA again, I think I learned that through something we called swamping, which was listening to some songs that would kind of uplift and, and kind of bring out some of these emotions and then using different, different things like, you know, punching a pillow or dancing or stomping our feet or, you know, doing these different avenues to really learn how to release it. I think that was the biggest, the biggest piece for me. Um, because yeah, if not, it, it gets stuck. And sometimes we don't notice it consciously, but um, subconsciously, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time that I've ever done something like that was an SWA. And I remember I, I wanted to skip all of those too. Like, I didn't want to go to those sessions. And I don't know what the what the resistance is to that but I think it's pretty common to like oh I don't need to do that or that's cheesy or like I don't feel like it yeah I definitely felt a sense of cheese in the beginning too I was like am I actually doing this right now right because like we we have that inner critic present we judge ourselves um and also like for me personally I think the resistance was that sometimes it's comfortable to feel those emotions that we felt for so long and those come to like those emotions like fear shame you know anxiety feel safer than the other ones do and our nervous systems are used to them so I think for me that's where the resistance lied a little bit for me yes um I do feel I hit the microphone people can't see. um yeah it is more comfortable because like I don't know what it's like to release this emotion I don't know what it's going to be like at the end of this practice. Um, ooh, how do you navigate that with yourself of like, like the kind of healthy discomfort, like you kind of just have to do it and put yourself out there to experience healing versus like, this is a full body no for me. Like, how do you differentiate between the two? Mm, that It is hard. I will say it is hard. And I think I've gotten to a place with myself where that's, it's gotten a lot better. I'm still navigating like externally, like, hmm, like what, what feels comfortable and not comfortable to maybe like bring up in a conversation with a boundary and uh, what feels safe to leave or to, to, you know, dive in. But I mean, as we know, um, boundaries start with ourselves. So I think, I think it's just that like tuning in place piece and also reflecting because I've always been somebody who is a fast responder who answers right away who makes decisions instantaneously and I think you know something I actually learned from a friend was that you know it's okay to like take space and to not know in that moment and to just give yourself time like maybe you won't know on Tuesday but maybe by Friday or next Tuesday it'll come to you 
through, you know, doing some breath work and releasing some tension. And then maybe the clarity will just come to you and, and being patient with that, I think too. Mm, yeah. Patience is such a huge one, at least for me. Um, Cause yeah. I want to know now what I should do. I want to heal now. I want to feel yeah. integrated now. Um, and it just does take, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the time and space. Oh yeah, it really does. And it's hard to wait, you know, it's, yeah. it's hard to, to find that patience takes time. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious how, um, how like coping mechanisms, um, kind of like come up for you or, or how are those present in the emotional processing journey? The coping mechanisms you said? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, there's so many different avenues of coping mechanisms. Like there's so many different types that can really support like different parts of ourselves and different, um, maybe like, um, avenues of, of how we feel in that moment. I think that there's so many, I think in the processing emotions piece, um, you know, if you're, you're kind of trying to learn how to notice journaling is great. And I think sometimes people feel journaling is daunting. And I was definitely one of those. Um, you can, you can journal by writing like jot notes or using your phone, like the notes in your phone or writing on a sticky note. Like it doesn't have to be like these novels that you're writing. Right. Um, so I think that that could definitely be a great uh, coping mechanism. I think with journaling, I think sometimes it can be like uh, talk therapy, like you shared earlier, where it provides so much clarity mentally, but it does in my, in my perspective, I don't feel like it, it helps fully process because there's no embodiment aspect of that, but it can be great in terms of noticing. And then the self-soothing I think is really just like a great example would almost be like caring for yourself in that moment when you feel that uncomfortable emotion, like you would a newborn baby you know, like that care and that time and that, um, you know, gentleness and that tenderness that we are um, with a newborn baby is exactly how we should care for ourselves. The moment a, you know, uncomfortable emotion shows up or there's discomfort in our body, um, which is really hard, you know, because we learn to be really hard on ourselves and really critical with ourselves that doing that does definitely take practice. But um, this can look like just maybe giving yourself a hug for a minute, taking a couple of deep breaths, self-talk, some affirmations um, that feel good for you. Um, I know for me, when I started with affirmations, I put them on sticky notes around my mirror. Um, I felt that was really helpful. And then um, coping mechanisms for like releasing. Like I said, I think movement is great, but like if you're not somebody who... um, you know, is familiar with movement yet, like that can be a walk that can be cleaning your house that can be stretching or doing yoga in your home to like an easy 10 minute YouTube video. Um, That can be like so many different avenues. So I think, I think the biggest thing to remember is that like, it's okay to just do something small. It doesn't have to be this like, elaborate, elaborate coping mechanism. Sometimes comes up in the the healing kind of community, you know? Yes. 
that's definitely come up for me where I feel like if it can't be like an hour and a half long ritual, then I should just do nothing. Um, yeah. But like a 10 minute practice, a five minute practice, a 60 second practice, those are all good starts. And those, well, not even good starts. Those are good enough sometimes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think too, when it comes to coping mechanisms is that, like I said, in the beginning, it's so personal and it's so unique to you. And sometimes you have to try things seven or 10 times before you find what's right for you, just because it helps your friend doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to help you, but like, don't give up on trying. Um, and something else I love to talk about, like in my own coaching business with my clients and in some of my work is um, really learning to like fight, fight for that joy in a way. Cause it's like, you again, can feel so comfortable in these uncomfortable emotions that you're, that you're used to that sometimes it's easier to live there. So it's just kind of reflecting on like, okay, like this emotion keeps showing up for me. How, how badly do I want to feel joy and some of these more positive and, you know, just fluffier feelings. Um, and what am I willing to do for myself to get there? Ooh, do you have an example of like something you've done to fight for your joy? Yeah, um, an example of that, um, I think, because sometimes even that can sound scary. Like someone's like, yeah, well, I can't even, I can't even like fight for, you know, like a, a coping strategy in my day. Like, how am I going to fight for joy? And yeah. I, I think that's very fair. And so how I usually will say this for people is like, okay, if all you feel like doing today, because you're feeling really low and some emotions you're feeling are like shame and, you know, some deep sadness is like, what you feel like doing is laying in bed and curling up in a ball. Great. So set yourself some time to do that because it is important to, to also like honor some of these aspects of what we need to do in that moment. And sometimes it is rest and disconnection and maybe even numbing. Um, I think too, though, it could be negotiating with yourself. Like, okay, I've done that for a bit. Now I'm going to lay here, curl up in a ball, but I'm going to play my favorite playlist and I'm just going to let it play while I do this. And what I noticed with myself as I experimented with this is that slowly but surely when you are doing the things that feel good like I, I remember being really low during the pandemic as well and wanting to do everything sitting down and having no energy to do anything standing up or barely move but as these kind of self-negotiations came I slowly was able to come out of the darkness because these small little um, coping mechanisms that I did in pair with the things I wanted to do, like, which was nothing, um, helped me kind of come out of that. Ooh, yeah, that's such a great point. I know I, I talk about that with my clients too, where like, sometimes if we're really settled into that really low space, like embodying that really low space, isn't going to help us feel better it's going to like help get us lower so it can be kind of hard to figure out like how do I listen to what I need while also like gently pushing myself to do what I know that I need kind of um so I like that example of like if what you want to do is nothing and lay it and lay down all day how can you do that in a way that's like 
just gently like stimulating or just gently pushing yourself while not like going to the other extreme, which is I think what I tend to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think also there has to be a level of like acceptance too, because I think sometimes a lot of times when we are in those low times, there's a sense of guilt and shame and self criticism that's happening as well. Like, oh, why am I like this? Why am I feeling so low? Like, oh, I'm just so this, I'm so that. And so that resistance is actually making you stay there. So if there's a level, if it starts with acceptance, like, okay, this is where I'm at and I'm going to allow myself to feel this first. And then the second step is I'm going to do this while A, B, C, D, and E to, to try and gently push. I think that it helps pull you out of it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually that patience. Yeah. I feel like that leads into self-compassion so nicely, which is, I know something you're really focusing a lot on in your coaching business. What was your journey to self-compassion with yourself like? Oh, has it ever been a journey? Um, I actually, I remember a specific conversation with my psychotherapist where, you know, she asked me, she was like, you know, like if you were to tune in right now and just like ask yourself, like, do you want to feel compassion for yourself? Because for most of my life, there has been a deep sense of resistance to that. Give all the compassion to others, but leave nothing for myself. And that's all I've done. And so it took probably like a year for me to really like, you know, work at, um, you know, resist and try and resist and try and then give my compassion, give myself compassion for a bit and then stop. And, you know, it's still a journey now, but the ability that I have to give myself compassion and the types of things that I do to make sure that I'm receiving that compassion is a lot different now. And I'm able to kind of catch myself in these like, uh, like critical moments. Um, and I also think the self-compassion piece, at least it was for me, was also another huge breakthrough in my healing journey um, to kind of like help push me further into that like spirituality. So that's why I'm so passionate about working with it with my clients is because I know it's really hard to teach um, because it's something you have to find within yourself, but it's also so, so, so healing um, and, and affects a lot of other things positively in your life once you do find it. Mm, I totally agree that that was a big catalyst for my healing too. And I think it's such a green flag in like a coach or therapist or healer um, when they like hold space for you to learn how to have compassion for yourself. Like that Mm. just feels like such a green flag for me because then you can do that. Like you're teaching them real skills that your clients can take with them even after your sessions together. And I think that's awesome. Oh my gosh. Yes. That role modeling piece. Like it's so yeah. important. It's so, so, so important. I couldn't agree more. Uh, um, I think I've been thinking a lot about like the ethics of coaching. Um, cause I watched that Teal Swan documentary, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. in the summer. So it just like really got me thinking about it. And I think what you're doing by giving people tools to have self-compassion for their self themselves versus like just you giving them compassion I think that piece is huge because we don't want clients to be reliant on us for that compassion we want them to be able to not need coaching anymore 
Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so, so, so true. Because I think, you know, with coaching, even in the mental health field, all these like kind of giving spaces, um, you can fall into that realm of like wanting to do for your client and, you know, give for your client when like, they're like, it just, it has to be, um, the, the drive coming from them to, to want to discover within them, no matter what avenue of support that they're receiving, um, or else it just, it just won't work. Right. They create that dependence. And then from there, it's just not good because, um, we're not helping, we're not helping in that avenue or we're just further, um, pushing people kind of like down and, and declining more. Yeah. Has your own self-compassion changed as you hold space for other people to have their own self-compassion? That was kind of a weirdly worded question. Let me know. (laughs) It did make sense. No, no, that did make sense. It's just like, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so I would say like all the way up before my healing journey, like, no, it didn't change anything. But once my healing journey started, um, Yeah, I think, I think it really did. And I think, um, a lot of that is like holding space. And I learned this from the spiritual coach I'm working with now is like really holding space for myself before and after sessions or before and after, like, you know, going into the field and working or, or whatever that may be, because, um, I, I have to give myself that compassion first before, you know, first and after, you know, giving it to others. And so it really made me recognize like how, how it's kind of like that non-negotiable for myself, um, in terms of, okay, I have to do this for myself in order to, to give to others. And that's so true for people who don't work in this space too. We always have to give that to ourselves. I like that before and after the sessions before and after the interaction, whatever that looks like. Yeah, no, it does. It doesn't matter like where, where you are, and like what, what field you're working in. I just, you know, of course, speaking from experience, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think the before and after is really important as well. I think it's just super helpful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I love all this, all these topics. Um, is there anything else we didn't touch on that you want to make sure we come back to or want to make sure that we mention? I don't think so. I mean, I think that like we covered so many different avenues um, and so many different aspects. I think, think if I was to leave anything um, else for the listeners is just, you know, like, I think it's fair to say that like, especially after, you know, going through a pandemic for so long that like, there will be hard days and there will be times where like things really suck and like that is okay that it sucks you know like there's not ever going to be a point where things are like a million percent like amazing or perfect like it's just really trying to like find the joy in like parts that that you do connect with you know and and that um, feel good for you and so just like learning to, to be okay with that, um, I think will be like a huge hurdle in like anybody's healing journey. Yeah, I totally agree. That's something I remind myself of over and over and over and over again, that 
I feel like in my personal life, I feel like I've had a lot of like growth and expansion and feeling really comfortable and grounded. And that's like met with like kind of a slump right now or like a feeling like like re-examining things that I worked through previously. And it's such a great reminder that healing isn't linear and that things that you processed come back up or things that you learned, you have to relearn or unlearn. Um, we're all just continuing that cycle over and over again. Absolutely. Just new things to discover each day. Yeah. So it's just like, kind of just expecting, expecting the roller coaster ride. Um, and, and kind of just like giving yourself some compassion while you're on it. Yeah. And that there's no like no one else is doing this and like suddenly a healed version and they're like good for the rest of their life. Yes. We're all doing it. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. That is like speaking to me that that piece that you just said, um, we'll be on the healing journey for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. I think one of the most helpful things my therapist ever did was she doesn't self-disclose very often, but she self-disclosed maybe like a couple, maybe like a year in, a year and a half in. And she just said like, yeah, I've been really struggling with that too. And she said, maybe like, oh, I think of her as the most healed person (laughs) in my life. And she struggles with things sometimes. And that was so like comforting to me. Yes. I totally agree with that. That like, even like the experts in all experts of life, like no matter what they're an expert in, um, struggle and have hard days. And, and, and I think that's the biggest piece, right? Because we're humans who want to feel like we're not alone and have like that relation to others. Like that is a huge part of the healing journey as well. So I couldn't agree more with that. That's beautiful. Even Brene Brown has bad days. <laughs> yes. I love her so much. I do. Oh, so powerful. well thank you so much Vanessa and I'm wondering if people are interested in working with you or seeing the dance video that we mentioned how do people get in touch with you yeah so if you're interesting or sorry (laughs) if you're interesting shoot me a dm if not you're boring get out of here (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh um if you're interested in um in one-on-one sessions or coaching, or you want to dive in for a 30 minute free discovery call, you can shoot me a DM at N E S S H U G G S. So at Ness hugs on Instagram. And then I also like, I'm just all, all kind of like dance coaching and my life on my Instagram. It's not, it's not just a work account. So you can just shoot me a DM and uh, yeah, or follow me and uh, we can connect. And that will be in the show notes. And then if you follow me on Instagram, um, I'll tag you. Or well, not if you follow. If if you, the listener, follow me, you can see the post where I've tagged Vanessa. (laughs) Yay. Uh, (laughs) Thank you so much, Vanessa. This conversation felt so nourishing and so cozy. And you just have so much wisdom to share. And I really appreciate you sharing it. Oh, thank you so much. It's always so amazing to connect with you. It's always such a joy. Yay!